You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. sure each and every one of you here today, sitting here, those of you watching on Facebook, that no matter what you're going through, no matter what has caused you to be dismayed, discouraged, fall into despair, whatever it is, whatever circumstances might be going in your life right now, good, bad, or ugly, whatever is happening, I can tell you with all honesty, with all truth, believing in God's word, that God is still on the throne. He is still there, and he's ruling and reigning. Troubles? Sorrow, heartbreak, or confusion, these are but a few of the things that plague us in our fallen state as humans. However, as Pastor Dave will discuss in his teaching today, we can always find comfort in knowing that God is on the throne and in control. In his study, you'll be encouraged to take heart in this truth. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of 2 Samuel chapter 19, as he begins his message, Because He Was Forgiven. Make your way to 2 Samuel 19. We're going to begin in verse 24. All right. So, the rebellion of Absalom was put down, and God wanted to use David to bring unity to the tribes and restore the nation once again back to one nation. All the tribes, including David's own tribe, Judah, participated in Absalom's rebellion in some way, shape, or form. Nobody was absolved. But it was now time for the rightful king to be put back, not only in the capital city, Jerusalem, but to be put back upon the throne, the throne that God gave him, that God anointed him to have. But there's a problem. Ever since they entered the land, way back in Joshua days, the tribes, all 12 of them, have been bickering. They've been fighting like little children. They've been arguing, and they've been taunting each other, and there's been battles and wars, and all sorts of things have been happening. They've been in this conflict forever, it seems. The nation was deeply divided, and although there was a desperate need for strong display of unity and loyalty, especially at this time, there was still an issue of trust. One tribe didn't trust the other. One tribe would always think the other tribe was trying to get better of it. And it always had to do with land, and it always had to do with promises. But remember, 2 Samuel is about restoration. God now wants to restore David as king, and he wants to restore Israel once again to one nation under his rule. Yes, he appointed David as king, no doubt. He wanted to be the ruler of the people. Remember the call at Mount Sinai? Remember the call at Mount Sinai? I will be your God, and you will be my people. This is what God wants, and this is what God wants of us now. Through Jesus Christ, he wants to be our God, and he wants us to be his people, his children, 
He calls us saints. He's given us all kinds of wonderful titles, but God wants to have that personal, glorious relationship with us. We studied the rebellion of Absalom, and it had been very costly, especially to David. His favorite son, who was Absalom, was killed during the final battle. Because of this, David fell into deep despair. He fell into deep depression, and he became extremely discouraged. And you remember him sitting up in his room, covered with his, with his sheet, saying, Oh, Absalom, 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 my son, Absalom, I would have gladly died in your place. His heart was broken, naturally, his heart was broken. But he had a country to lead. He was king, and he had to do kingly things. As a leader, he had to step up. And Joab basically came to him and told him that. He called him out on that. You need to get out in front of the people. The people need you right now. These people sacrificed everything for you. They gave up all kinds of things for you, and they need to see you right now. You're their leader, and they need a leader at this point more than ever. They bled for you. They sacrificed for you. They gave up everything when they fled Jerusalem for you, David. And they need to see you now. They need to see you. Joab knew that David needed to lead. Even in his time of despair, David needed to get before the people and be their king. We talked about this last week. He needed to be out front so the people could see him. So David's making his way back to Jerusalem, and he made some royal decisions along the way, and he sent important messages back to the people. Remember, the goal, unite the people. Unite the people so that they would be one. He wanted people to put away their old prejudices, to put away their old animosities, and get behind him now as king so that the kingdom can do two things, be restored and move forward. This is what God had planned for the nation Israel. He wanted the nation Israel to be huge in the world. Why? Think about it. Why did God want Israel to be so important in the world? Because they had God's word. It was always the plan that Israel would carry God's word to the Gentiles, to the entire world. But they failed to do this. But that's for another time. That's for another time. David wanted to assure the people that not only was he back on the throne, but that God hadn't left his throne in heaven and that God was still ruling and reigning. And I want to assure you too. I want to assure each and every one of you here today, sitting here, those of you watching on Facebook, that no matter what you're going through, no matter what has caused you to be dismayed, discouraged, fall into despair, whatever it is, whatever circumstances might be going on in your life right now, good, bad, or ugly, whatever is happening, I can tell you with all honesty, with all truth, believing in God's word, that God is still on the throne. Amen. He is still there, and he's ruling and reigning. And you need to remember that when these times come upon you. You need to remember that and hang on to that. Grasp on to that knowledge that God knows exactly what he's doing. Even though your life could be in shambles. Your life could be a mess. God's in control. God is in control. And we need to remember. In fact, we need to know. Romans 8, 28. And we know. God works all things together for good for those that love him and are the called according to his purpose. That's a promise we have in the Bible. That's a promise in the New Testament, in Romans. We need to cling to that. Somehow David knew that. David knew that God was in control, and he wanted all of Israel to know that God was still in control. God was still in control. And the Israelites, 
they were still God's people. They were still God's children. But the tribes were divided. And those that followed Absalom and those that followed David, and these old habits, as you well know, are hard to break. When you have a prejudice towards someone or you have animosity towards someone, it's hard to put that down sometimes. You need the Lord. You need the Lord and through the Spirit to help you put that down. If not, you carry that prejudice with you. And every time you see that person, it's like, no, stay away. You need to put that down. You need to let that go. David began working on his own tribe, Judah. Remember, Judah was the kingly tribe. Which tribe did Jesus come from? Judah. The Lion of Judah. Jesus came from Judah. It's the kingly tribe. It's where all the kings came from. He knew that those who foolishly followed Absalom might be worried that David would seek revenge. David knew this. He understood this. I mean, after all, there was a great rebellion going on. Absalom was trying to usurp the throne. Anybody that got in his way, he would kill. And if you chose the side of David and Absalom won, there was a good chance that you might die. So the people who followed Absalom, now that Absalom is dead, were probably thinking the same thing. What's David going to do? I was against him. I came after him. I wanted to kill him. I was on Absalom's side. I wanted him to be, not be on the throne, and I wanted to raise Absalom up. It's a natural thought. He's going to get me. David's going to hurt me. He's going to take out his revenge on me because I was disloyal. Well, they didn't know David very well. They really didn't know David very well, and even more so, they didn't understand God's grace. And David was exemplary in showing God's grace. He's the epitome of showing God's grace. And in this instance, sometimes we see David as the type of Christ, showing God's grace, pouring out God's grace to those who don't deserve it. Who don't deserve it. David realized. He realized one really important thing. He realized just how much he had been forgiven by the Lord. And therefore... He could forgive others the same way. Because he had been forgiven so much by the Lord, David knew what he did. He knew his sin was ever before his eyes. Read Psalm 51. Unto you and you alone, O Lord, have I sinned and done these things. David knew. He was fully aware of his sin. But he was also fully aware that God had forgave him. Remember, David had a heart for God. Such a heart that what did God call him? A man after his own heart. Why? Well, because one of those qualities in a man after God's heart or a woman after God's heart is forgiveness, a spirit of forgiveness. David didn't forgive conditionally. He didn't forgive conditionally. I'll forgive you if you do this or if you do that. Now, I'll forgive you. That's a condition. He didn't forgive that way. He didn't forgive partially. I'll forgive you. Now, get out of my life. He didn't forgive partially. And he didn't delay his forgiveness. When David said, you're forgiven, he didn't say, I'm going to forgive you. I just need a little time. He forgave instantly, just like God forgave us. When we confessed our sins, when we confessed our sins to Jesus and, and, and accepted Jesus Christ's sacrifice, when we bowed down before God and said, Lord, I'm a sinner. Please save me. I believe that Jesus sacrificed his life for me. I believe he died for my sins. I believe you raised him on the third day. I believe these things, Lord. Help me, help me, help me. Boom, they're gone. 
Totally gone. Instantly gone. That's how David did it. David didn't act like that. He forgave, just said God forgiven him. And that's so important. Why? Because when you get right down to it, forgiveness is not about the other person. Did you hear what I said? Forgiveness is not about the other person. You can be mad at snot at somebody and they might not even know it. They might not even know that you're mad at them and all that energy you spend being mad at them. Forgiveness is not about the other person. Forgiveness is about you and me. It's about me. When we are unforgiven, it has a dramatic downward effect on our life. Why? Because forgiveness, when we don't forgive after an offense, resentment sets in. Pretty soon there's a bitter seed of resentment that sets into my heart. And then it starts to build and get into my heart and it starts to sit there. And then resentment can lead to hatred. And, and then sustained hatred leads to grudges. And then grudges ultimately settles on, I'm going to get that person. Revenge. we got to stop that. When we seek revenge, we're not following God's plan. We are not following God's will when we seek revenge, nor is it God's will. It's not God's plan. Instead, what are we following? Our flesh. Our flesh. We're following our flesh. When we want our pound of flesh, why do you think they call it a pound of flesh? When we want it, we're following that instead of God's plan. What does the Lord say about vengeance? I will repay. Vengeance is mine, I will pay. So the one who trusts in God will not think it necessary to avenge themselves. God is my avenger. God is my redeemer. He's the one. What did Jesus say? Bless those who persecute you. Bless those who revile you. Bless those who call you rotten names. Bless those who come against you. Bless those who are your enemies. Pray for them. Love them. Yeah. One who trusts in God leaves the issue of vengeance to God and he gives place to his wrath, not my wrath, because they don't have to answer to me because it's not about me. They have to answer to God, not me. When we do this, the scripture says what happens? We overcome evil with good. Exactly. When we do this, we overcome evil with good. And this is the mindset. We will do good for our enemies, looking for the most practical ways that we can help them. I love this. David knew that forgiveness was the key. Jesus also preached on forgiveness. In one of the major denominations, they call it the Our Father. And in the Our Father, it says, forgive our trespasses as what? We forgive those who trespass against us. There's a key there. And then a couple verses down in Matthew 6, a couple verses down from Matthew 6, which is where this is, in verses 14 and 15, Jesus says this about forgiveness. If you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. These are Jesus' words, not mine. Now don't throw eggs and rotten tomatoes at me. These are Jesus' words. 
It's vital that we understand the importance to forgiveness and that we are to forgive. We must realize that forgiveness is a matter for the spirit of the child of God. Our spirit within us wants us to forgive. Our spirit is working in us to help us to forgive. Having been forgiving so much, it is so important that we forgive others. Jesus emphasized it here, that those who have been forgiven much, you who had a debt you couldn't pay, a huge debt, we need to forgive others. So having been forgiven, we forget. And if we forgive, then we're forgiven. If we don't forgive, Jesus says, you're not forgiven. I can't modify these words, folks. I can't give them and make them soft. They sound kind of harsh. But they're not my words. They're God's words. They're, they're God's words. I have to follow them. And to be forgiving as I can, to forgive others. But I have to pray really hard. Why? Because it's not my nature. It's not the old man. It's not the old person. It's not my flesh. This goes against my flesh. This goes against my nature. My nature doesn't want to forgive. My nature wants its pound of flesh. But the spirit in me, the spirit in me wants to forgive. A spirit in me. So if I'm relying on the spirit, and if I'm trusting in the spirit, if I'm trusting in the new man, putting the old man to death, then my spirit wins out. And I forgive. And I forgive others their trespasses. I forgive them. This is what we see in David now as we come into this great chapter. I've done all that to set up this great chapter that we're in. David's returning to Jerusalem, and he happened against an old adversary, Shammai the Benjamite. I love that. Shammai the Benjamite. Do you remember Shammai? When David and the gang were running away from Absalom, were going out of um, Jerusalem, Shammai was the one who was up on the hill cursing them, throwing stones at them. Remember? He kept on cursing them and throwing stones at them. And old Abathar said, takes his sword, go, Lord, let me get him. Come on, I want to get him. Ah, no, no, no. He, you know, hey, maybe it's the Lord doing something. I don't know. Let him alone. But Shammai comes. He comes down here, and David shows him forgiveness. Look at it. You don't have to read it, but if you want to go back later on, it's 2 Samuel 19, verses 18 to 23. David shows this guy who cussed him, who threw stones at him, who said horrible things to him in front of everybody. He forgives this guy. I don't worry about him. Don't worry about him. It's like, what? Come on. Old Abathar still said, oh, let me take his head off, Lord. Let me take his head off. No. Back in the day, they did call their masters Lord, so I wasn't being blasphemy. And then we look, and we, here comes a very, very familiar face. A familiar face now comes back in the picture. Shammai was kind of familiar. And now we see another set of familiar faces. The first one we meet is our old buddy, Mephibosheth. You remember Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth was Jonathan's son, who was dropped by his nurse, who fell and became lame. And then after everyone was killed... David, remembering what Jonathan and he made a covenant that he wouldn't hurt any of his family, basically asked Mephibosheth to join the family, to come and sit at the king's table. He gave him land. He gave all kinds of things. That's who this is. Mephibosheth comes now. He was the son of Jonathan. Remember that. 
He, David kind of adopted him and, and took him into the household and permitted him to eat at the king's table. Here he is, a, a, the, the, the closest nephew of Saul. And basically, with everyone dead, think about it. What was Mephibosheth in Saul's kingdom? He was the heir. He was the only one left. He could have claimed a rightful ownership of the throne. He could have, but he never did. He never tried to get the throne. And remember in chapter 16, Mephibosheth had a servant named Ziba. And when David was going out, Ziba came and he brought all these good things. And what did he do to Mephibosheth? He slandered Mephibosheth. He basically thought that, told David that Mephibosheth was against him. And what did David do? David said, well, you can have all of the land. You can have all Mephibosheth's land. You take it all. Well, here comes Mephibosheth. Let's look at 24. Now, Mephibosheth, the son of Saul, came down to meet the king. And he had not cared for his feet, nor trimmed his mustache, nor washed his clothes from the day the king departed until the day he returned in peace. I hope he kept his distance, man. David probably smelled him a mile away. I don't know, man. Can you imagine this guy? Now, what does that tell you? What does it tell you about Mephibosheth? Because anybody, can, can, what, what, what do you think? What does that tell you? He says, I have, he's been that way since the king left. Thank, who said mourning? He was in mourning, absolutely. Absolutely. He was in mourning because the king had left. He was totally upset that the king had left. He was in mourning. And, and he had all these things. And, but he wanted to clear his name with the king. And he wanted to make amends. But his appearance is drastic. He's disheveled. He's a mess. He's been in mourning all these years. Let's look at the next verses, 25 to 28. So it was when he had come to Jerusalem to meet with the king, the king that the king said to him, Why did you not go with me, Mephibosheth? And he answered, O Lord, O king, my Lord, O king, my servant deceived me. For your servant said, I will saddle a donkey for myself, and I may ride on it and go to the king, because your servant is lame. And he has slandered your servant to my lord the king, but my lord the king is like the angel of God. Therefore, do what is good in your eyes, for all my father's house were but dead men before my lord the king. Yet you set your servant among those who ate at your table. Therefore, what right have I still to cry out anymore to the king? So he comes really humbly. He really comes humbly to this guy. What right do I have? I have no right. Do what was right in your own eyes. I love that. I, I really like that. He makes his plea. Ziba deceived me. My servant deceived me. He came to you. He slandered my name. I wanted to come. I really wanted to help you out. And in verse 29, David basically realizes that he made a mistake. So the king said to him, why do you speak any more of these matters? I have said to you, you and Ziba divide the land. Now, I like this. This is pretty cool. David tries to correct his problem when he gave all the land to Ziba. So he comes up and says, okay, you guys split it. You guys split the land. Was David taking an easy way out? You guys just split it. No, once again, he was showing forgiveness. Once again, he was showing kindness. He was showing God's grace to this person. He was showing the love of Jesus Christ. He was showing the love of God. You are the book of 2 Samuel is a continuation of David's journey to the throne promised him years before. It follows his life and relationship with God, with his family, and with the people entrusted to his leadership. 
David has much to teach you, and we encourage you to continue studying this Old Testament book. If you missed any part of today's teaching on Assure Hope, or if you'd like to listen to additional teachings from Pastor Dave, visit assurehoperadio.com today. Maybe today, as you were listening, you found you have some questions about faith, and maybe even about salvation. We'd be happy to talk with you and provide some resources to answer your questions and start you on a journey that will change your life for the better. Give us a call. Our number is 609-884-5821. Again, that's 609-884-5821. And while you're on our website, visit the page How to Be Saved to read all about the plan of salvation God set up long ago. We'd love to meet you, too. If you're in the area, join us this weekend at Calvary Chapel, Cape May. You can find directions and more information at assurehoperadio.com. We'd love to connect with you on Facebook, too. Just follow the link on our page to follow us. We're coming to an end of our time with you today. We're so glad you took the time to study God's Word today with Pastor Dave, and we hope you'll join us next time as we explore deeper into the book of 2 Samuel, right here on Assure Hope.